Gary, how you doing? Good. Good to be a, f- a fellow Gary. I know. One on the hour, podcast. One hour as well. <laughs> well, that's it's the only way to go. Yeah. yeah. It's the only way to go. Um, obviously, I've been back and forth for a few weeks trying to get you on. This really piqued my interest mm-hmm. when I seen it. Um, and I think it's something that people will probably get a lot out of with the, the combat journal that you've written. But before we get into the, the book and, and why you've done it, obviously, career-wise, this kind of stemmed from you being in the Navy and kind of a chain of events from there. But how did you get to that point? What made you want to go and join the, the Navy? It's really just a, a kid that didn't know what he wanted to do when he left school. Yeah. Um, I'd done not bad. I got enough grades to get into uni. Um, but I just didn't know. I think, you know, when you leave school at 17, 18, you're, you're too long, young to determine what course right. you're then going to study for 30, 40 years yeah. of your life. So, um, yeah, I was definitely in the bracket that I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Navy diver in the village. Um, Navy divers have got a bit of history in, in Tarbert. Right. Um, lock finds quite a deep lock, so they yeah. used to do a lot of their training there. Um, so when I was growing up as a kid, the Navy was was in the village quite often. Uh, you would go and get glow okay. sticks for your weekend off them and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, one of my, he then became a friend, but he, he was a Navy diver at the time. My mum took me up to visit him, have a cup of tea as a, got a shy, shy kid, <laughs> like 15, 16, yeah. I think at the time. And he just showed me photos on his laptop of jumping out helicopters and blowing stuff up. So I thought, uh, it's like a little... Everybody's little dream to be like James Bond. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was that was me told. Yeah. Wow. As, and it is such a probably such a niche job as well because mm. there's there's maybe quite a lot of interest in it, but there's probably a lot of difference from people being interested in it to actually going yeah, exactly. and it's got quite a and doing big it. fail rate as well. So yeah, you know, a lot of especially when I went to join the Navy, mm-hmm. you go into the careers office in Glasgow and yeah. in Queen Street, it's still there, I think. And um, they asked me what I wanted to be. And I said, a Navy diver. And he says, oh, you do realize it's a hard course. So uh, have you got a backup plan? I says, no. <laughs> I says, a Navy diver and that's it. You know, if, if, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. But um, yeah, I only had one goal and that was it. And yeah. is the course as intense as they made out to be? or? Yeah, I mean, it's like any challenge really, isn't it? Yeah. But um, it's all subjective. But I think that it. It is harder than your standard course. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the numbers, I think 55 people went into my intake numerous times. Yep. Um, and I think five came out of it and passed wow. the full course. So right, quite okay. a big fail, right? Yeah. Um, so good sense of achievement after it. Yeah, guess. definitely. Mm-hmm. And at that point, when you then, obviously you, you come out, your your training and you're, you're qualified and you're ready to go. What did your, what did your day-to-day look like? What was the job entailing for you? Um, so I went, went straight to sea. Um, mm-hmm. so as a Navy diver, you don't, you're not, um, sea based at all. Okay. You're, you're predominantly shore based. Yeah. Um, there's four bomb disposal units around the UK. Right. Um, so from Liverpool to the Shetland islands, there's mm-hmm. a Northern diving group, which is based at Faz Lane. Um, and then you've got the Southern teams and then, uh, London's got their own team. Okay. Um, so we covered bomb disposal units or that's our that's our main job as navy divers and um underwater engineering Mm -hmm. within the base but they've also got subcontracted um companies that come in and do that so um but we spend a limited time at sea so my sea time is 13 months um it's usually around a year to a year and a half okay um and i was based on a ship called hms grimsby where we done one deployment out to the to the arabian gulf Mm -hmm. and um after that deployment that was me 
Shore Base and Faz Lane pretty much are. Right. Uh, sort of not your usual nine to five, but it was yeah. within the nine to five hours. Right, and, okay. And that was when I was working there. And did you enjoy it at that point? Was it a, did um, it kind of give you the fulfillment that you, you thought yeah, it was going to? Anything that I work at that sort of is always a challenge, it's always a mm-hmm. sort of um, a, a learning curve. I think I always get something out of it. It's yeah. when I feel that I'm no longer learning that I mm-hmm. take my foot off the gas and need to move on to something else. Yeah. yeah. And at what point then did you then start to feel not a struggle as such, but there was a kind of less of a support element that you would probably have required? Mm. Well, I, th- I mean, when you're a Navy diver based in Faslane, you mm-hmm. kind of get forgotten about anyway. Right. Um, to an extent. Um, a lot of the courses or most of the courses are held down south. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the guys down there get priority. Yeah. Um, so you do end up in your own little bubble in, in Faslane. Mm-hmm. So um, the promotion element, and that was sort of why I decided to leave the, yeah. the, the military in, in the end. Um, promotion was just a little bit too slow for me. Okay. Um, you're seeing people that were in intakes behind it, mm-hmm. behind you getting promoted ahead of you. Yeah. Um, and it was a little bit of a frustrating sort of um, frustrating time. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just decided. Like um, a lot of the guys that I knew that that were started off as navy divers had now left, and they were in the offshore oil and gas industry. So mm-hmm. that was definitely a, a little push to to sort of join them and and make more money and more time yeah. off really yeah. and was there any regrets on your part coming out of it and, and trying something else nothing at all i think looking back on it now i'm, I'm really glad i did mm-hmm. um i think if the like say if the promotion element was was a yeah. lot different um maybe my career would have would have been different i would have sort of stayed in and, mm-hmm. and went up the ranks but yeah. um yeah i was glad the decisions i made in the end yeah, yeah to move mm-hmm. and see from a, a promotion point of view obviously it's I'd imagine the the armed forces are slightly different from your your day to day jobs. What is that kind of time scale that you could wait for promotions between? Oh, how long's a piece yeah, of string, really? really um, yeah. They do have sort of a, a basic list, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think it depends where there's potentially a clog in the train. Um, so if you get in the military, you start as able rates, and mm-hmm. then you move up to a, to a leading hand, then a PO, um, and then a chief. Um, is your basic sort of um, promotion train. Yeah. And But you'll always get clogs in that train wherever you'll maybe get loads of leading hands that, mm-hmm. that just don't really want to get promoted. Yeah. So so they stay and clog the system. Um, so anything below that clog, there's always a long delay. Yeah. But if you manage to get past that, you can sort of go quite far in your career. Uh, um, you. But it's, and with the divers, um, the sort of um, the demands to the job goes a lot higher when you yeah. go above a, a leading diver. Right. Um, so the clog is very much at the leading hand level. So from able rate to your first promotion, you, you'll you spend a little bit more time there mm-hmm. um, until you potentially get past that. And if you're still keen to get promoted, you can you can fly sometimes, yeah. Yeah. It's that domino effect, I suppose, isn't it? Exactly. If you get people yeah, there that are definitely not willing to go anywhere yeah, and sit in the role. Yeah, yeah. I was curious... And this will probably be a pure daft question to someone who has done this role like yourself, but is there a feel element with it? Like if, when you're going into like your, your first kind of tasks or roles yeah. and things and you're out of training and... I mean, I think I look at that with anything I do, really. Yeah. You know, um, even in the offshore industry, the learning curve's so steep there. It took yeah. me probably every day for five years when mm-hmm. my dive plan would come in, I would get a little bit nervous. I would get yeah. that feeling of what if I fail, you know? Yeah. Um, so it doesn't matter what I do. I think, you know, mm-hmm. even coming in here today and 
I think, oh, what if I do rubbish? <laughs> what if I potentially fail in what I'm wanting to do? But, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was just another potential failure element mm-hmm. to, to your life, I guess, yeah. And is it one of those things that when you're when you're given a, a task or, or something to carry out, do you then just get into a zone when you're in the water and you, you're just getting on with the task at hand? And Yeah, I mean, there's like quite tranquil elements of being under yeah. the water and, and, and not having the, the noise of life around yeah. you. Um, so I think I noticed that first and then mm-hmm. and then you're like, all right, okay, I'm under the water and what's my yeah. job? Um, but um, yeah, first of all, it's quite nice to actually just be under there, Yeah. Um, block out the the noise nobody, the voices nobody to give you any trouble or <laughs> exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i think i'd mm. quite like that to be fair <laughs> <laughs> um, and then obviously the, the combat journal mm. what prompted you to do that what was it what was the idea behind it so it was really just my own journey with with anxieties and, mm-hmm. and been really closed <clears throat> as a person um and my journey sort of started off stemmed as having bad panic attacks when i was a kid um to then growing up with a lot of anxieties to then only really dealing with that sort of late twenties going into my thirties. So mm-hmm. um it's been a long process and it's been a process that I'm now reflecting on quite a lot. Um but that's sort of what got me into to at least researching about um positive psychology, positive psychotherapy and mm-hmm. then looking what was on the market, then getting quite disappointed that there was methods out there for people to to help themselves but mm. not a lot of people knew about them yeah um and these journals these mental health focused journals it was on the market that mm-hmm. that claimed to do um these things yeah. that they had sort of like say that they claimed to do um mm. they fell short every time they had great incentives but um yeah i think i think they fell short and, and mm. sort of rather looked at good ideas but but not follow through with them really. yeah yeah and from a from a journaling point of view, mm. did you notice a massive difference when you started putting things yeah, down? Unbelievably, yeah. Really? Um, almost night and day. Right. Um, and it was so quick that, you know, I was quite taken back by yeah. how the changes. And it was not so much the anxieties, that was a sort of longer process of healing. Mm-hmm. Um, but just how closed of a person or how willing I was to, to open up after journaling was, yeah, almost night and day. And did you have, was there kind of was there trigger points for you in your life that kind of prompted not the the panic attacks etc but probably encouraged the the closure and not opening up and, and keeping things to yourself and having that kind of siege mentality yeah i think it's probably i mean going back to like you were saying about failure and mm-hmm. and potentially like the control element you know when you go into maybe my navy diving training yeah. you know that you're in control of the 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 sort of end result mm-hmm. um or any challenges if i go out in a long run like you, you're in control of that end result yeah would have sometimes if s- s- the stresses of life pick up and and you're necessarily not as much in control as you would like mm-hmm. the anxieties would maybe creep in that sort of failure element would maybe sort yeah. of take more control then it's interesting because it's probably as much as you're looking at it from point of view of of your life and then going into the armed forces etc it's probably relative to any job or, yeah, exactly. or any yeah, kind of yeah, anybody in the similar position. Definitely, yeah. And I think that's why, you know, I was speaking to, it was a, a military radio station mm-hmm. um, and uh, the producer asked me, um, did I ever regret, you know, going into the Navy and, mm-hmm. and going down that um, career path rather than when I'm sort of getting into my 30s and then realising yeah. I've got a passion for psychology. Mm-hmm. Did he, he asked me, you know, would I have ever 
did I ever regret not going to uni and maybe yeah. studying psychology? And, and I said, no, absolutely not, because that was my path and it's given me a story. You know, mm -hmm. I could be 34 like I am today and, and just qualify in uni and, and then being a 34 year old qualified psychologist with no life experience. Yeah. But now I'm 34 with a passion for psychology, but mm -hmm. I've got a good story behind me to, yeah. to sort of pass on and hopefully share that knowledge in something yeah. like Combat Journal. Yeah. And I suppose it's that life experience as well, because it, <clears throat> when I was doing a bit of research and I'd seen when you were, I think you were 17, 18, you lost one of your friends. Mm. And from kind of reading the the articles that you'd done on that, that seemed to have like a really profound effect on you at that age. Yeah, for sure. As well, and there was the the issue around being like a pallbearer, etc. And the Navy didn't want you to to yeah. go in case you didn't come back but at that point did you feel as if you maybe wouldn't come back if you had I went home or where, where was your head at at that point i mean again going back to the failure thing that was <clears throat> what i'd set out to do mm -hmm. so i think in my eyes it would have never been something that i wouldn't have like yeah. completed um but i was never given that option so i guess we'll never know mm -hmm. but yeah I, growing up in a village especially a small yeah. a small village like like tarbert um it's a typical West Coast village that nobody really talks very openly about their personal life issues or anything. Um, so yeah, I grew up with a lot of anxieties, but also being very closed. And And my friend Alistair, throughout most of um, my childhood, he was that person that I would go to to talk yeah. to if, if, you know, we would talk about the most random yeah. of subjects. Um, so yeah, then when I did get the news they had passed, it was almost like somebody had removed that one element that you did cling on to to yeah. being quite um like as open as you wanted to be mm -hmm. um and then somebody had took that person away so then you felt as if well even if you did want to be open that person was no longer there anyway yeah. and you didn't know how to be open to anyone else yeah um so yeah that was what manifested just being more closed and, and sort of um locking myself off in, in that in that sense mm -hmm. yeah and did you see looking back on that that period and in, in your period in in the armed forces with the hindsight that you've got now, and obviously you've you've written the the combat journal now, do you feel that would have made a massive difference to you at that point if you'd had that sort of support level at the time? Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I I even started writing letters. Um, mm -hmm. So I think where I was sitting in the the navy bar on on base one day, I think I remember, and because like I say, uh, I'm from quite a small village and. And you could almost hear the whispers from the other end of the country. Yeah. And um, potentially like, why didn't he come back for the funeral? You know, I mm -hmm. thought he was meant to be one of his best friends. Yeah. And even though that might just be, you know, voices in, in my yeah. side, um, I could still hear them. They still felt real mm -hmm. to me. Um, so I thought the only way to, to maybe help Alistair's parents or his girlfriend at the time would be to maybe write them a letter. So, in a way, I was kind of doing expressive writing back then anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't doing it as much to get the effects out of it or the positive effects. But in a way, I was I was attempting to do that because mm -hmm. I didn't have anyone else to talk to. So, yeah, massively, it would have, it would have helped. Because yeah. mm -hmm. I, I suppose as well in that situation as you're just describing, you probably have worse conversations in your head based on what you think other people exactly. are saying about yeah, a scenario yeah. that you don't even know. Like, yeah. And obviously in Tarbot, nobody might have been saying that but yeah. in your head you're you're already exactly. 10 steps ahead and, yeah, and having that chat mm. see from a an armed forces point of view obviously it may be different now but back then if you were to go in and kind of 
look at it, what would you change from a support point of view? Because you, mean, you've lived that experience yeah, of, of working. The conversations that I've had with, with the military, um, mainly the army at the time, mm -hmm. um, they always asked me how I would quite like to integrate something like this in. And I said during the joining process would, would be one of the main mm -hmm. main aspects or main avenues I would look at. Um, and it's mainly because you have kids that are sort of 17, 18, joining for f minimum four years of your life. Uh, it's not like going to uni and you're doing a uni course that you can drop out at any point. You know, four mm -hmm. years is quite a long time for anyone. Um, so 17, 18, you're, you're signing four years of your life away. And then you're just getting thrown into to be in the military. You know, yeah. you do get briefs, but nothing on mental health that you didn't at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think that process would be quite good that you, after signing four yeah. years of your life away, um, you maybe get sat down, you get told about the benefits of journaling, mm -hmm. um, presented with something like Combat Journal, mm -hmm. and then also um, taken through the steps of... of like I say, the benefits of it and the effectiveness yeah. of it. Um, and just highlighting that they can talk to other people, mm -hmm. but if they can't talk to them, other people, then they can talk to themselves through through journaling. Yeah, and it's, I suppose it's such a impressionable age as well. That Definitely. kind of 17, yeah, yeah. 18, exactly. and then you, you think you know the world, but mm. once you step into it, I mean, it would be hard enough. I found it that age hard enough stepping into like a normal job that you could quit after yeah. a month if it yeah. wasn't working out but if you're in a situation where you are you're signed for mm -hmm. four years you need to make it work there's yeah, no real exactly. there's no real choice yeah, here yeah. but i suppose having that support would maybe help with the decision making at the very beginning mm -hmm. right because you're it's probably the same for yourself when you go in and you sign up you're just thinking i want to be a diver but nobody's really told you about the yeah, potential yeah. impacts or, or how you're going to feel but I just wonder if that would make a kind of different choice for a lot of people mm -hmm. if they were sitting. I think it's creating these good habits young yeah. as well. Because, um, you know, looking at the figures, and, and again, that's why one of the reasons that the military are are so sort of behind the curve and taking on a lot of mental health um, tools is the fact that the numbers say that the, the militaries get better mental health than, than civilians. And, and it's mainly that people don't actually realise they've got more issues until... Mm. So they're no longer part of that unit, that companionship, um, when they leave the military and then those feelings come rushing to mm -hmm. the surface because mm -hmm. they've never dealt with them. And it's then the problems become apparent. But, you know, the Navy see that as well, or the military see that in general as, oh, well, they've left and then they've got mental health problems, so it's not our fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas if they had these healthy habits early, i.e. do something like the joining up mm -hmm. process, then by the time you, you spend four years, 12 years, you're full 22. Um, you could leave knowing that if you are going through anyone anything, you mm -hmm. can you can always turn to to a notepad and pen. Yeah. yeah. Was there anything from your time that you wish you'd kind of knew about before you joined? Um. No, I don't think so. No. Um. No, I quite enjoyed it. It was good. It was like a learning curve. It mm -hmm. was. Um. I was a very quiet kid, like yeah. you said, when I went to with my mates and. And sat down and looked at photos on his laptop. Yeah, he he ex describes me as a a very shy kid, and he <laughs> says when I I left the the village and came back after my training, even though I was still in my eyes a mm -hmm. very quiet, like sort of closed off kid. Yeah, he noticed a big difference. Yeah. I mean, it was mainly sort of uh, typical navy navy traits, maybe creeping in. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose it's that whole 
you would have been right out of your comfort zone. Yeah. For with the training and yeah. and you probably you just need to go on with it, don't you? It's just one of I those. Mean, my mum's a, a bit <clears throat> of a dictator, so right. the whole um tidy like make your bed and stuff yeah. like that. The the whole militant side of things. Mm-hmm. Um polish your shoes. I mean yeah. my mum doesn't make me polish my shoes, <laughs> but um if I had shiny shoes she probably would do, yeah. Um but yeah, so that side of things didn't come too much of a mm-hmm. shock to me. Um you know, I get my work ethic off my dad. My dad's yeah. a good worker, so um, I knew the work element. I was always going to give it my all. So mm-hmm. nothing too much came as a surprise, but yeah. um, like I say, it was just a nice challenge. Yeah. Mm. What do you think the biggest, or what was the biggest learning you took from the experience of being, being um, in the Navy? How easy the basic training was mm-hmm. um, for me. Um, and then how strong and how much of an impact resilience can be during my, my Navy diver training. Like yeah. you say, that's the, that was the intense one and mainly physically intensive, mm-hmm. but also they would try and break you down mentally as well. Yeah. Um, so mental resilience is, plays a massive part within mm-hmm. that. And, and again, that's something that I've taken into my adult life and, yeah. and overcome sort of other, other mm-hmm. sort of um, hurdles along the way. So yeah, I think realizing, um, how, how key a part resilience has yeah. to play in, in most things yeah and from the see on the resilience side of things mm. was that uh was that a harder thing to build than the actual physical aspect of the training i think i was quite lucky to learn that i had quite good resilience anyway mm-hmm. um so it just highlighted that mm-hmm. to me but um but also yeah you could see how important it could be also to build upon that resilience you yeah know, for somebody who maybe doesn't have what they maybe would see is has been much of resi- resilience yeah. or maybe if it's there and they've just never noticed it like i was um but yeah i would say it's definitely a key element yeah mm-hmm. i suppose as well as much as you're saying it's a it can be quite tranquil at times i'd imagine it could be quite a lonely place at times as well because there's oh, yeah, yeah. there's no one you can talk definitely. to you especially if you're going through maybe a, a breakup or just a disagreement yeah. you know a, a row with your family or anything yeah. you're you're at the bottom of the sea for I mean, nowadays it's usually six hours I'm down there for. So, yeah, if there's something playing in your mind, it's yeah, <laughs> it and that's the, that's the thing as well because it's six hours is a long time. Yeah, yeah. To be how how far down you would be, but you wouldn't expect somebody to sit at their desk for six hours without a break. No, you know, but we'll uh, we'll be six hours down the bottom of the sea working away. And that and that's a long time to not be talking to anyone. Yeah, well, because, I mean, you're talking to <clears> you're continuously talking to your supervisor yeah and the other diver that's there you mm-hmm. know there's a continuous conversation yeah. going on um so sometimes it's quite nice when you do get a bit of peace and they don't <laughs> talk <laughs> get a nice easy job when you just look at a gauge but um yeah it's a lot of the time you are um like say it's been on a building site so yeah. there's continuous chatter going on between mm-hmm. sort of cranes and, and everything really yeah that yeah. blows my mind yeah but there's someone <laughs> Hundreds of feet down, just having a chat. Yeah, a construction site, really. Yeah, it's, yeah. Man, what about if you were, if you were speaking to someone, as as you described yourself, sixteen, seventeen, at that mm. point of, I want to go and join the navy or the army or the the air force. What would you say to them, advice wise, based on your time there? Um, I would say it's a great, like say a great <clears throat> learning curve, a great stepping stone. It can, they might actually grow a love for the military services. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, 
but I would say put in the the research and look to what you really want to do because just like going to uni you know you might do an apprenticeship in the military Mm -hmm. and then realize that you don't like it or it's something that you didn't foresee for yourself um but also it's you go in there young you can be like me and leave at 21 and still have a full career at something Mm -hmm. else Mm -hmm. um yeah just i would always just promote talking as well yeah you know if you're ever any concerns worries talk Mm -hmm. to somebody um ask questions about everything yeah um yeah and every day is a school day 100 percent. and i'm just surely it would be good if you've got a group of 10 15 girls or boys that want to join to get them in front of somebody like you and have that because that's a very different q a because Mm -hmm. you've lived that experience and you've come out and obviously you've you've created this off the back of it so you've seen both sides if i if i was that age or if my son or my daughter was that age i would rather they spoke to someone in your Mm -hmm. position yeah and made a choice off the back of that um but have you have you engaged the military about using this like going forward or? yeah i spoke <clears> to them i mean like anything it's sort of it comes like buses you know everyone's yeah. super excited to hear about it yeah um they've they've went through it um loved it and then tumbleweed you don't hear anything yeah. um the army's a lot more keen than the navy at the minute mm-hmm. um i'm attending a military conference next wednesday down in colchester Brilliant. um so yeah i'll certainly be be sort of promoting it as mm-hmm. much as i can down there yeah uh, talking to certain people and um, but let's say the army is is definitely keen on it um mm-hmm. looking at obviously potential budgets but um i think they are recognizing they need to take on something like this yeah um apparently the raf has already took on a, a journal right um as far as i believe it's a blank journal mm-hmm. um and they've actually mandated it as well which i've got my own feelings about but um yeah, it's it's good to see that they are starting to acknowledge mental health yeah. as a problem, and mm-hmm. and they are looking to take on tools and, and yeah. sort of um, teach people the importance of mental health. So by see by mandate it, is that a requirement then that yeah. would need to be done rather than people choosing? Exactly, yeah, and, and right. the guys that I did to ask sort of about that in mm-hmm. the RAF, um, they said that it was just not getting used for what it was meant to be used for, and people mm-hmm. are just writing shopping lists or right random things in it when they know that it's going to be inspected because that's all they're looking for is the fact that they're using uh, it so, right, okay um yeah it's, it's sort of defeating the purpose almost yeah because yeah. i suppose you're then getting people that are just writing for the sake of writing and there's exactly yeah, yeah i mean there's... and it kind of goes to you know a lot of people ask me if if there's a time frame around combat journal mm-hmm. and i said that i set out initially with six months you know your your usual mindfulness journals are for some like they always do 90 days three yeah. months um which i think getting people to commit to four journals a year is quite quite a lot Mm -hmm. um so i doubled mine and put mine as a six month journey right um and again even to to a year you you might not even need to buy two a year but Mm -hmm. it's a lot more acceptable than four yeah um but yeah i i actually completely removed the the time frame around it okay um because i thought you know i can only promote something i done i Mm -hmm. didn't work on it every day it was it was when i needed it Mm -hmm. um which would roughly be around about six months. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even still, you know, I wouldn't promote somebody to do something I wouldn't do myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't an everyday process. So it, like yeah. I say, the mandating thing, I don't think would work. Yeah. No, I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And have you had feedback from anyone who's used it? Yeah. Like always sort of takes me back, you know, and, yeah. and um, gives me that little pat on the back when yeah. I get some nice, nice feedback. 
um and again from ex military people to just mm-hmm. um every everyday normal people yeah um guys girls um doesn't really matter um but yeah it's, i've had quite quite nice feedback and that's off both psychologists as well and and users yeah which must be quite reaffirming for you as well to yeah you've had that support to, to other people out there i mean the imposter syndrome has been real like oh really yeah <laughs> almost every day um wow. so yeah if you get somebody to to tell you you've done a good job that sort of just eases that imposter syndrome down a little bit um That's and again having psychologists look over it yeah you sort of worry yourself that they're maybe gonna turn around and tell you it's it's useless or it's not gonna work or um i'm not qualified to do that or something yeah do you still have that feeling now even though you've got people who have given you feedback on it and i think for a little while i will um still Mm -hmm. get that feeling especially you know the more people that look over it yeah you never know not everyone's gonna it's not not, not gonna be everyone's cup of tea but um yeah i would still quite like those reaffirmations sort of um come through and tell me i'm doing a good job (laughs) i'm always amazed by the the guests i've got on and that's that's a common theme Yeah, yeah with the I mean, you, you've, you've passed one of the harder training courses mm. in the armed forces <laughs> and you, but you brought out a book yeah. and in your head you've still got that. Yeah, I mean, I'm always going to be that way, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I think I think it's, it spurs me to sort yeah. of uh, do a lot better as well. If I didn't really, if I thought, oh, it's perfect <clears> and it's amazing <throat> and it doesn't care yeah. what somebody says, it's uh, I believe I've done a good job, then I don't think I would be going down the sort of right avenue to to do the help yeah. that i'm looking to achieve yeah. whereas if i'm worrying that or oh, maybe i'm maybe it might not help everyone that i want to help mm-hmm. um i'll be a little bit more disappointed in myself whereas um if i knew it could help a, a wide spectrum of people and mm-hmm. and i still get the sort of um people reaffirming that then mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm gonna sort of it's gonna give me a smile at the end of the day 100 percent. Mm-hmm. and are you always that way with anything that you want to kind of improve on what you've done and, yeah, I mean, even I like when I'm filling out the journal, I'll, I'll take little notes of how I'd like to change it. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. Mm. I love that. Um, you are now working in the oil industry, mm. still diving, but I'm assuming it's a different type of role from what you done. Yeah, in uh, the navy, so it's a lot deeper stuff. Okay, um, so they call it saturation mm. diving, right? Um, which was developed, I think, sort of around the sixties. Okay, um. And if you know anything about diving, you'll understand that if you go scuba diving, say to to 15, 20 meters, you'll mm-hmm. be down there for a certain length of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can spend so long there and then you come up to the surface. Yeah. If you spend a little bit longer there, then you have to incur decompression stops. So you have to maybe stop at six meters or maybe three meters. Mm-hmm. If you were then to get down to 30 meters, then the bottom time that you would have would, would sort of decrease um, or the decompression stops that you would have on the way up would yeah. increase. Um, so they developed a practice, like I say, I think it was in the 60s, which was called saturation diving. What they did was they pressurized just to the same depth you'd be diving, the equivalent sea depth, mm-hmm. um, and you lived at that pressure. So technically you were saturated in the gas that you were breathing. Right. So when you're scuba diving, when you get what's called the bends, mm-hmm. it's small bubbles of nitrogen that sort of go in the bloodstream okay when you come up too fast um those small bubbles can't diffuse out your body so what happens is they flow along your your bloodstream they mm-hmm. go to usually your joints um and they get trapped there and that's why you sort of you uh, bend over right, okay. that's why i got termed coined the bends um so that's the same thing with us even though we're not breathing air which mm-hmm. is nitrogen and and sort of um oxygen 
uh, we breathe helium and oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, so we breathe um, and talk with a squeaky voice <laughs> like you're sucking in the helium balloon, but it's a lighter gas. Right, so okay. it's, um, it's a lot easier compressed. Right. Um, but yeah, we've got little bubbles of, of helium mm-hmm. flowing through our body. Right, so okay. um, we live at pressure for maximum 28 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so depending on how deep we are, depends on how long the, the decompression is. So on average, 100 meters right. is three and a half days. Okay. So 28 days by law, we can stay in there, minus mm-hmm. three and a half. So around about the, the 24 mark, 24 right. and a half, um, you'll start your decompression if you're doing a full yeah. full time. So you usually never work to the minute 28, you'll, mm-hmm. it's 27 and a yeah. half days, something like that. Um, but you're usually about three days, four days right. decompression at the end. And how hard is that to get the body used to? I mean... Most of the time, you don't really get too much time to yeah, think to about sort it. of yeah um, acclimatize. Yeah. You just you're down there. You you get asked to go diving, and, that, and that's it. Yeah. So, um, your body you do have sort of a what they call an acclimatization period, mm-hmm. um, and that's dictated by figures, you know, yeah. by uh, for, um, industry standards. Mm-hmm. Um, say an hour, you know, you get down to pressure, you have an hour stabilization, right, um, and then you go diving. Um, so you don't get. You don't get given that much time. Uh, yeah. And when you're down there, what kind of things are you then being asked to do? Anything really. Right. The best way to describe that is like thinking of an underwater janitor. Like right, a janitor okay. in school. Yeah. You know, he's, he does the radiators, he does yeah. the doors, he does anything that needs done, but uh-huh. is he qualified for it? Probably not. <laughs> um, it's the same as us. We're right. not necessarily qualified for uh-huh. it, but um, if we've got to fill some sandbags with some shovels from mm-hmm. the seabed, we'll do that. Or if we've got to build a pipeline, we'll do that, you know. Um, so it's just anything really. Yeah. What's the furthest you've dove? Uh, 191 meters. Wow. And that's pretty much the deepest that the North Sea goes. Yeah. Um, it's like a field called the Magnus. Right. Um, and that's, yeah, that's 191 on the bottom. And when you get down that far, is the, does the mind start to wander a little bit? Like, Nah, not really. I mean, it's quite... As long as there's visibility, yeah, you're fine. You know, mm-hmm. if you're down that that deep and it's it's dark, yeah, you'd maybe think a little differently. But yeah. um, Magnus is not too bad. The, right, you get some big giant monkfish at Magnus. Oh, yeah, they're pretty big. Right. So um, yeah, they've not been disturbed for years. <laughs> Dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. That would give me the full fear. Mm. Yeah, they could definitely eat something my size. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, what about? Obviously, it's quite a challenging role, but it must be quite a rewarding role as well, both for what you're doing just now and and what you've done previously. What have been your kind of real high points in your career, diving wise? Oh, I mean, I don't know if I'd really look at my my diving career's high really? points. Nah, um, I mean the Navy diving, probably yeah. the course. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely a high point. Um, getting to the level of diving that I am now, mm-hmm. high point. Um. But it's just an awful weird industry to work in, you know. Yeah. You don't get treated very good. Right. Um, you realize that you're just mainly a number. Mm. Um, some companies are better than others. Yeah. Um, you know, nowadays, like say the company that I work for, they are trying to do little things mm-hmm. to make like creature comforts yeah. a little bit nicer. Um but yeah, it's it's sometimes a, a weird industry to yeah. work for, you know. You don't you get you don't get told anything. Um, right. You don't get told when you're going to work, when you're coming home from work. Oh, okay. uh, everything's kind of kept until very much last minute. Um, so planning your life's quite difficult. Yeah, I was going to say it doesn't yeah, really yeah. give you much scope to. Nah, but then again, I only go away three to four times a year. 
yeah. for a month at a time. So you do have quite a lot of time off. And do you prefer that routine of the kind of short bursts and then? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. I can never just sit and do a normal nine to five. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that I get paid decent. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of time off. Yeah. Um, well, I did have. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I can, I can do whatever I like. I can go traveling. I can yeah. sort of plan a good fitness event or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you're traveling, are you in the water when you're away? Or are you like, no, nah, <laughs> can I think of anything worse? I mean, if I went somewhere nice, like, yeah. um, um, I'd done my, my patio motor when I was 11 right. in the Seychelles. Nice. I went back to the Seychelles so yeah. do some diving. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I certainly don't rush. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't rush. In, in the, like, I, I love the sea. I love, yeah. I love uh, surfing. I love mm-hmm. sort of um, being in the sea. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be caring about yeah. diving if, if yeah. somebody sort of offered it to me. Too much like yeah. a job, isn't yeah, it? exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. <laughs> what about, and obviously you touched on it a little bit there, if you were able to do it and there was no kind of barriers to it what would you change about the industry that you that you feel would make an improvement to it as it is better leaders for a start yeah um it's one of these industries that you you get promoted but they never ever put you on leadership courses right and a lot of the people who are being promoted are through who they know not what they yeah know. so a lot of these people which you know it's only from what i've found is mm-hmm. they've got massive insecurity issues because they necessarily don't feel that they deserve that job yeah. job because they've been they've been handed it um so then like i was saying with the the sort of secrecy thing is knowledge is power so the yeah. more knowledge that they have the more that they feel can justify their mm-hmm. role because they know through their insecurity issues that they probably you probably know more than them type yeah. scenario um so yeah i would definitely allow people to be promoted that deserve it more than just who they know mm-hmm. um and then also put those people on practical leadership courses yeah to try and get that experience yeah, of actually exactly. being a, mm-hmm. a leader yeah and for anyone maybe not obviously wants to be in the, the military but for anyone who has an interest in diving mm-hmm. what advice would you give from that point of view taking away the kind of military aspect of it if they were looking at that as a career path i mean it's a decent career to have it's uh, it's one of these careers that you you could work your socks off in the beginning mm-hmm. and reap the rewards at the end yeah um but then again you might never reap the rewards you might mm-hmm. never get to that end point yeah um like i say it's a very strange industry so get used to sort of failures along the way rejection mm-hmm. um certainly from companies um but a lot of perseverance yeah. sort of goes a long way um but again it's just another job that's not the the standard status quo of yeah you know life um, mm-hmm. you can sort of offer people these peculiar different jobs yeah and it gives them more of an option mm-hmm. like say maybe they'll they'll decide they don't want to go to uni at 17 18 and go down the military route or, mm-hmm. or offshore route is yeah it's a good one yeah definitely mm-hmm. what about have you had any kind of real bad moments while doing the job or kind of injuries or anything like that or points that have kind of made you think about yeah a few um the saturation diving there's a few instances when you've been like if you were not in that sort of um if you were maybe an inch to the left or an inch to the right you mm-hmm. could have went down completely differently um a few injuries that could have potentially happened yeah touch wood have always um came out like scave free yeah um but a few instances that you think that was quite hairy yeah um and yeah you realize that you are putting yourself in more of a danger than the average person yeah how do you how do you kind of deal with that though because it's 
if you're coming back up from a dive and you're sitting going, if I had been two inches to the right there, that yeah, could have been yeah. catastrophic. But how do you kind of cope with that? I mean, there was a good good saying we used to say in the military, and it would we would mainly refer it to people who were complaining about their job. You know, if mm. they were saying, "Oh, like you're sitting drinking cups of tea while I'm polishing yeah. the deck or something," yeah. we would always say to them, "Well, pick your chance, uh, pick pick your branch, take your chance." And I guess you could kind of use that in the same element as you know, mm -hmm. I chose this job, so. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to sit in my bed and, and wonder about the safeties of it if, yeah. I've, if I've chose it in the first place. Um, so, yeah, I guess, um, like you say, I've, I've chosen that, mm -hmm. that path. So um, you sort of deal with it. Yeah. yeah. And have you, in that oil industry as well, you hoping to utilize the journal Again, within that as in well? conversations. Um, yeah. There's a couple of companies that have sort of bought into it already. Mm -hmm. Um so I'm quite keen to hear their feedback yeah. and uh, and push it because uh, yeah, the military's another one that um, that massively could could use it. Mm -hmm. um, I was quite worried again when I I told people I was what I was doing. Yeah, um, it took me about four to five years to develop, so it was a long time of yeah not really telling people what I was doing. Um, but Why then, were you worried? What was the um, Again, like you say, it's a bit of a strange industry. So yeah. if they maybe see that you're doing something <clears> out <throat> with the industry, they'll think, oh. Well, you think you're too good for us type yeah. scenario yeah um and there's always somebody ready to stab you in the back and take your yeah. job so um if they see that you're maybe doing something else they'll maybe think well oh i'm trying to get my my nephew in this job so i'll tell right. the office that you you're yeah. no longer in it um so mainly mainly those things right um and then but when i started getting them printed mm -hmm. um i told some of the guys one of the guys that I was closer with um and then before you know it more people but the more people that knew about it, the more people that then approached me to tell me about their issues and their problems at home uh, and, right, okay. and how they've suffered quite badly. Yeah. Um, so that that took me back a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't expecting that as much. Yeah. Um, and again, just highlighting to the, the problems that, that sort of we have as guys in general, mm -hmm. but um, just the the reluctancy to, to talk and, and open yeah. up is massive. I suppose it's quite a... Uh, It'd be quite an intense job with that time on time off if you've got family problems at home and you're yeah, having to yeah. park that for yeah, I mean, 20 odd days. And you can't take a mental health day offshore. You can't take a sick day, really. Well, yeah. you certainly can't in the chamber when you're dying yeah. because there's only six of us there. Yeah, so there's no real replacements. There's, there's no replacements. Um, so, yeah, we can't take a day off. We can't take a, a mental health day. You know, if if your family member passes away, you, mm -hmm. you're, you're three and a half days from the surface. So you need yeah. to make that decision. Do I just stay? Yeah. Because if I say I want to get out, well, there's other, there's two other guys that need to come out as well. And if they're relying uh, on that paycheck, then yeah. maybe I'll need to just sort of um, grin and bear it and, and yeah. sort of deal with it when I get out. Or yeah. if it's sort of early, I can maybe come out and it, it might benefit them in the end. Um, so it's decisions you, you sort of got to come across when, yeah. when, uh, when you sort of do that job really yeah which is hard because there's probably very few careers that would you would be faced with those mm -hmm. kind of choices of yeah, exactly. it's it's not just your pay yeah it's affecting it's somebody, it's, it's somebody else's yeah. and for all you know that that will be held against you for months oh, yeah yeah down the yeah, line they, well, divers aren't really good with the money like, <laughs> as fast as they earn it they they like to spend it so um yeah if it comes to buying a fast car or paying your tax bill the the fast car usually always wins <laughs> <laughs> what's the hope then for the next let's say 12 months for mm -hmm. the combat journal what yep. would your ideal um ideally like my goal would be to be putting in regular enough orders mm -hmm. um 
from my end yep. people are then obviously buying them up on the other end and mm-hmm. um, that would be my ideal goal if i can get that to happen in 12 months i would be super happy yeah but yeah within that it's just increasing the visibility and and, mm-hmm. and getting people to know about it really yeah and mm-hmm. if someone wants to buy it on your pages or a link or yeah, so you can find me on social media mm-hmm. uh, combat.journal um, you can buy it through the the buy button there mm-hmm. um, or on my website combat-journal.com um, brilliant yeah this has been amazing, mate. It's um, it's so interesting. It's so interesting to to speak to someone who's lived that environment and has then moved into a different industry, but they still see the same mm. issues that kind of prevail yeah, yeah. between both of them. And then to actually, a lot of people have brilliant ideas but don't do much else with it, but yeah. to actually take it to a book. I mean, yeah. that must just give you a buzz just sitting looking at that. It does. And like you say, that... <laughs> You know, when I when I use it myself, sometimes I like disconnect myself that I yeah. actually wrote it. At other times, I'll pick it up and I'll notice little mistakes and I'll change <laughs> it. Um, but again, yeah, when people are still buying it, it you know, it is sort of a like pinch me type yeah. scenario. It's like people buying something that I yeah. actually sat and wrote. Um, yeah, it's quite quite interesting. And if you speak to Mickey, he wants me just to write more. So <laughs> uh, you never know what might come. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's what I was going to ask as well. Are you planning more down the line? Or? So I've got further growth with the Combat Journal. You know, mm-hmm. it would come to an app to coincide with it. Yep. Uh, a lot of people asked me, um, especially in the military, they were like, oh, we love it. Can you turn it into an app? And, yeah. you know, it just shows the problems that the military sort of had when they look at things as in like we can fix it with yeah. technology or anything that, they forget that the therapy is actually within the writing process yeah. um, and it's through the writing that actually that you're actually healing you're doing that self-therapy yeah. whereas if you're writing in an app you're not going to get the same results yeah. um but it ticks a box for them um but yeah a lot of people ask me to an app so i've thought you know okay use it as a friend mm-hmm. use it to maybe as a reminder to get yeah. into journal um and i also want to create a community um mm-hmm. where people can feel safe to come and share and ask questions about their own mental health about therapists counselors yeah um sort of build that community up as well because that was one thing i realized when i was doing a lot of research that, mm-hmm. that there was such a desire for community sport um but a lot of people didn't really know where to go because it was a bit of a minefield yeah. there's 101 different mental health um facebook community groups mm-hmm. um so yeah people were joining all of them but not yeah. really using any of them uh whereas if you could create a, a unified sort of group that people know about mm-hmm. you might get a bit more success and actually benefiting yeah mm-hmm. i'm hoping as well that when people go to join the army they then have a wee bit of time with you exactly beforehand yeah, be as nice. well yeah yeah that'd be amazing mm. gary it's been brilliant thank you thank you much. so much yeah. for coming on no, appreciate it anytime thank you